Welcome to episode number 27, where today we are going to be reading chapter 14. Chapter 14 is called End of Season. Enjoy. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Crushing Indie Potential podcast, where I give you the latest tips and tricks to help you stay on top of your mental game. My name is Scott B. Harris, and I'm the author of the book, Crushing in Potential, Living with My Injured Brain. It's a memoir that was written and published after a dirt bike accident that nearly took my life. In season two of this podcast, I will be reading part two of my book. Part two outlines how I chose to overcome the adversity that I faced. Strap yourself in, because the show is about to start. Welcome back to the podcast. Great to have you here once again on this very, very, very lovely day outside. The weather outside is beautiful. Like last week, uh, the weather today here in Melbourne is pretty bloody good wherever you are in the world. I hope that the weather is pretty bloody good too. Uh, I guess I guess the enjoyment factor of the weather is all in the eyes of the beholder. You know, some people love the sun. Some people love the snow. Uh, some people actually love those shitty grey days. Um, well, if you live in Melbourne, you kind of gotta you, you you gotta love those shitty grey days, right? Uh, Melbourne weather is is beautiful one day, shitty the next. Beautiful the following day, and probably crappy that afternoon, and then crappy for the next ten days. My partner Jasmine is from a place where, get this, summers are actually summers, and winters are actually winters. And she always complains about the weather here in Melbourne. Uh, I don't know why, but she always complains. Uh, you know, like when it's a, a cold, grey, shitty day in the middle of summer, she she will complain. Says it's not meant to be like this. Well, I guess um, I guess p- most people would hate uh, a cold, grey, shitty day in summertime. Uh, but I choose. Uh, you know, I always say to her that that is what makes our good days good. Imagine living in in a place where. Every day in summer was nice and beautiful. No thanks. (laughs) Not for me. Uh, How predictable would that be? Hmm. Imagine that. Waking up knowing that it's just going to be a sunny day again. Oh, no thanks. (laughs) I'm just joking. Of course, everybody would love a summer that's actually a summer. To be honest, I absolutely hate this crappy, crappy Melbourne weather. But this is my home and this is where I'm from. Um, So, you know, I I, I guess I've got to live with it. Okay, before I start reading, I just want to show my gratitude for you taking the time out of your day to listen to what I have to say. You see, time is the most precious resource 
that we can never get back. So I really appreciate wherever you are in this world listening to me, I really appreciate you spending your most valuable asset listening to me and listening to what I have to say and to what I have to share. So thank you very much. Okay, we're up to chapter 14, and this chapter is called End of Season. And the quote that goes with this chapter is, All good things must come to an end, by Geoffrey Chaucer. Geoffrey Chaucer. Yeah, Geoff was, uh, was an old English poet uh, back in the Middle Ages. Geoff. <laughs> <laughs> I'm talking as though, uh, as though, we're, bef- as though we're best mates. Uh, me and him go back, actually go way back, back to the uh, back to the the, the Middle Ages. Geoffrey, um, as he's formerly known, was an English poet. All right, back in Canada, had me back at work volunteering and helping out. The English girls were still at Sun Peaks, getting used to their sit skis. In just a week, they had improved out of sight, and they had they loved and they loved it so much. It was such a humble feeling. To be putting smile on piece of smiles on people's faces. This job paid its employees in job satisfaction rather than hard cash. At work and behind the camera lens were my happy places, which I found that I needed on my return to on my return from Japan. Something was different uh, now that I was back. Stephen Tian had moved out of the out of the hostel. Another friend of mine, Charlotte, was seeing uh, seeing someone from the hostel, so they kept to themselves quite a bit, and everyone else was working. Even when they weren't working, I felt as if I were the outcast once again. Oh no, my social anxiety was back. I was not sure if, if, if people were actually disregarding me, and if so, I didn't know why. Was it because of something I was doing, uh, my impulsiveness, my rudeness, my impatience, the things I said? things I didn't say, or was it all in my imagination? Perhaps it was all of the above, but who knows? It was driving me crazy. I had a funny idea that my feelings were tied with my com- tied to my com- confidence issues, which in turn may have given people some reason not to connect with me. Someone looking at my situation might have told me that everything was fine and not to worry. But inside my head, it was mayhem. We are now on page 116. I still get feelings like those today. But the longer I live with them, the better I'm becoming at putting the puzzle together. I've worked out that, generally, spending time with people who... Knew me before my accident is the winning ticket. They will point out any of my any of my uh, behavioural changes that annoy them. Whereas people who meet me after my after the brain injury often don't have the time for my impulsiveness, my rudeness, or my angry mood swings. The only people I want in my life now are the people who understand me. At that time in Sun Peaks, the thoughts circling in my head were about the things that weren't going right. For some reason, I screened out the things that were going right, such as the true compassion of the team at ASP. Being in Japan did wonders for my snowboarding. 
I had gained so much confidence in my own ability that I decided to get my instructor's license so I could teach other people to snowboard. The course was basically a three-day intensive lesson on how to get how to get your how to set your body in space. Uh, to be able to to be able to teach people how to do it, I needed to be spot on. In mid-March, I sat my level one test and passed. Now, just going out of the book here quickly. I'm not sure. I can't remember. I think it might have been a five-day course. Um, I can't remember, but three days sounds like it's a little bit too. Um, it's not really enough time. But in saying that, uh, that lesson was the best thing that I could have done for my for my snowboard abilities. To be able to teach somebody, well, I guess to be able to teach somebody how to snowboard, you 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 know you need to know exactly how to snowboard yourself. So that's what the the instructor there is doing for you. They are they are like a, a level a level three or four instructor that would be instructing you and teaching you how to teach people to snowboard. Uh, so that really really uh, really helped um, help my abilities. Uh, tenfold so any any anyone out there that wants to get better at snowboarding or you know wants to get better at anything learn how to teach other people to do that thing and that is the winning ticket all right back to the book i could teach but as we were halfway through the season i couldn't get a job what i could do was take shadow lessons though which meant i could take a lesson without without pay uh, I, I didn't mind that uh, as I was still putting my skills in, into into use and I could also work with the snowboarders who came through ASP. I also met people on the mountain who wanted to have lessons and in turn would buy me dinner at a restaurant uh, of my choice. So in essence, I was getting paid but in a different form, in food. Who doesn't love food? All of this added to the enjoyable end to my first snow season. Uh, going out of the book quickly here. So yeah, even though I did, uh, even though I wasn't formally taking lessons, there were tons of people that I would go around the mountain with and would want to know how to snowboard or want to know how to how to snowboard better. Uh, and as this was kind of near the start of the season, there was still a lot of people that, uh, that 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 didn't exactly know how to snowboard that well, because what what a lot of people do when they go over to Canada, they a lot of people don't actually know how to snowboard, and they don't know how to do anything on the snow, uh, so they uh, so skiing or snowboarding, but they go to Canada and in the hope that they're going to learn how to snowboard. And look, ninety nine point nine 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 percent of people after spending a season on the snow, are competent skiers or snowboarders. So uh, anyway, so so I, I went around the mountain with quite a few people and just gave them lessons. And that was uh, in, oh, I'll, we'll, we'll learn about my second season at the end of the book, uh, but I did that also in, the, in, uh, in my second season as well. All right, back to the book. As I mentioned, most people had friends who went who who went traveling with them? Charlotte had her best friend Sarah with her, and they acquired one more. While I was in while I was in Japan, Matt, a friend of theirs, 
had come over come over over from Perth, Australia, uh, to spend the rest of the season with them. Neither Matt nor I were I were working, so I so we we would spend a lot of time on the slopes together. Having a mate to hang out with uh, also helped make the end of the season much more enjoyable. We are now on page 117. By this stage, my photography was almost becoming an obsession. Um, one of the staff at ASP introduced me to the local, uh, the local photographer. She met me one sunny Saturday afternoon and she spent a few hours in the terrain park giving me some tips and tricks for the best way to take photos in those conditions. I put the word out and got a few, few guys together to get uh, to be my subjects. One of those guys, Jonas, was a park instructor and he took me out for a park lesson. During the lesson we were talking about our lives or our, our living arrangements and I told him that I had been staying at the hostel all season because I couldn't find a place to live. He laughed and said, huh, we've had a room all season that we couldn't fill. Do you want it? He was, he was living at the Wolves Den, a chalet, a chalet backing onto Mount Morrissey, another peak at the resort. Even though there were only a couple of weeks there was only a couple of weeks left in the season, I snapped it up. Within the space of two hours I was out of the hostel and in my new home. Everyone knew that the everyone knew that the Wolves Den was the site of many fun nights at Sun Peaks. And I'm not just talking about 2012, 2013 season but many years before, uh, before my time too. Uh, most, most people who have done a season at Sun Peaks know, the, know about the Wolves' Den. Going out of the book here quickly. Uh, so the Wolves' Den, um, it, was a, it was a massive chalet, and the chalet had two halves to it. Uh, so two in the one chalet, there was two separate living quarters, and there was a door that went in between those two quarters. And actually, no, there wasn't a door. There was a balcony that would go uh, in between the two. So both shared a balcony, and they both shared a backyard, which I think I'll uh, I'll be talking about in just a moment. But uh, the Wolves Den, because it was known for the parties that were were, were held there, the people or the 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 um, uh, the people that owned it, they they obviously got in to that chalet. A certain type of person that they knew would be throwing parties, or a certain group of people that they knew with would be throwing parties and and running amok. And I could pretty much guarantee that the bond that was given out wouldn't have been given back because there were probably things that had been trashed or things that had been um, not trashed, but but things that have gone against the uh, gone against the rules. Uh, so it was. Uh, I met. I met. I met. I met someone at the club uh, that that the, even Sun Peaks had a club as well uh, at the club one night when I was staying there, and she uh, she when I was talking to her, uh, she was uh, she said she asked me where I lived, and I said the Wolves Den, and she laughed and said, "Huh, I know the Wolves Den," and she'd actually done a season. Uh, she'd done a season ten years prior to where I was there, so that would have been two thousand three, uh, and the Wolves Den was a thing back then. So 
I th- this is where I get the idea that the, the, the Wolves' den is known in Sun Peaks. And everyone that did the season there that year knew where the Wolves' den was. All right, back to the book. There were 10 people living in the Wolves' den when I moved in, and being mainly snowboarders, they built their own mini-terrain mini park in the backyard with a couple of kickers, a hip, and a few rails. Uh, if you uh, If you don't know... What these are, don't worry, it's just snowboarding terminology and I don't really get it either. It was a great playground for young men to flex their muscles. And with so many people living in the house, there was always someone out the back doing something. I was always out there too with my camera. More often than not, all all the boys would be out there comparing gun sizes, if you know what I mean. In all, being at the Wolves Den was a pretty awesome way to end the season. A couple of weeks before the lights went out on the winter, uh, the Canadian Association of Disabled Skiing, CADS, National National Festival and Para-Alpine Championships, ran an event at Sun Peaks, hosted by ASP. We are now on page 118. The best para-alpine skiers from around the country would be there. Sun Peaks had been hosting the Swiss and Austrian women's Olympic teams for the, for the past few years because their downhill course was world, was, was world class. So this was a perfect location for CADS. As I was closely affiliated with ASP, I was gained special entry trackside uh, and, this, and this gave me the opportunity to take my photography to another new level. While the competitors were practicing for the first event, I was down at the terrain park minding my own business, taking photos of everyone who was coming past. The next thing I knew, I knew a sit-skier launched off a 30-foot ramp with his arms spread out wide and floated majestically through the air. On his sit-ski, snap, I got it. This guy had paralysis from the waist down and had just gone off a jump that even skilled snowboarders would have been nervous about. Talk about nerves of steel. With his permission, I put this shot right in the centre of my photography showcase for the season. It's going out of the book. Uh, on the uh, on the show notes on my website, uh, which you can find at www.scottbharris.com.au forward slash uh, podcast, and then go down to... Episode number 27, and you'll see the show notes. I'll put up a whole bunch of photos that I took that season uh, in the Wolves Den, and also some that I had taken, uh, definitely the one uh, the one that I that I took of this guy in a sit-ski uh, launching off the 30-footer. But I'll try and find other photos that I, that I, that I was able to take of the Alpine, uh, the Para-Alpine Championships because they were pretty cool too. All right, back to the book. When the shot clock had finished and the buzzer went off, the season was over. The mountain was closed, and it was time to pack up and go home. Everyone was going their separate ways. Some faces I would never see again, and some would stick in my mind for life. Seeing everyone leaving honestly looked like a spider had just given birth and hundreds of Hundreds of its babies were running in every direction. There were four types of travellers who would do a snow season. Those who did one season and then went home for good. 
those who would go home and then come back the year after year, those who would go from northern to southern hemisphere chasing the snow, and those who would spend the winter in the snow and then continue travelling to other spectacular places in the world. Uh, I chose to be one of, one of the latter. Uh, so going out of the book, uh, I met, there were quite a number of people that, that were, were chasing the snow that did northern, southern, northern, southern, northern, southern uh, uh, hemisphere uh, seasons year after year. Uh, there was one, actually, oh, definitely going out of the book here, I will tell you a quick story about my first ever snowboard instructor at Mount Buller here in, uh, here in Melbourne. So I went up, this was after my accident, when I went up to the snow and I, and I, uh, I had a, this was my first time on my own in the snow, uh, away from DWA, and I got a lesson from uh, the head instructor at, uh, at, at Mambula, and she was telling me that she had been chasing the snow for 26 years. She had... So that 26 times 2 is 52 seasons of the snow, back to back. She had her husband there. Uh, that, was, uh, that was the head instructor. Uh, and they, they were both instructing over at Vale or Lake Tahoe or Vermont or... Can't exactly remember. Anyway, that's relevant. Uh, so she had been... Chasing the seasons for that long, and she hadn't seen a summer for 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 so long. And 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 I forget where that uh, that story was going. Uh, anyway, there's some useless information for you. Okay, back to the book. At the end of the season, everyone had made their own plans. Well, nearly everyone. Uh, I didn't have any plans to do anything with anyone. And I felt like it was, I felt like I was missing out on something. My social anxiety kept me awake at night. And I started to question the qualities I held and whether people liked me or not. We're now on page 119. This was the same feeling I had had before Christmas and on my return from Japan. There were still other mountains open in Canada after Sun Peaks closed. And I was really touched when Sarah, Charlotte, and Matt asked me to join them on a road trip. Their invitation was exactly what I needed to stop the circling of negative emotions in its tracks. Sarah and Charlotte had bought a 1989 Ford E150 van, which was the perfect, uh, the perfect vehicle for this trip. I waved goodbye to my host mum, Sharon, from ASP, uh, who, who had given me so much love and support over the season, and Sarah, Charlotte, Matt and I were off, heading east through the heart of the Rockies. Okay, I'm going to go back out of the book again. Uh, now, uh, this, uh, there was, there was a, a little bit that, that I had written that got, uh, got, got taken out of this book. And it was a story about uh, what happened at the end of the, the very, very end, the last week of the snow season uh, in, in Sun Peaks. So after... Um, at the very end of the snow season, I, our lease had finished from the Wolves Den and I still had a week to go before I went away with Charlotte and Sarah and, and Matt. 
And I ended up going, Sharon offered me a, a bed for a week, which was great. And I spent the week because my next, uh, my next adventure was in Europe. And there were, there were a few things in Europe that I needed to get. Uh, first of all, um, the first thing I needed to get was a Russian visa when, when I went to Russia. And to do that, you could only apply for it uh, an X, X amount of days before you enter the country. So this was why I wasn't able to apply for the visa when I was back at home. I actually had to apply for it on the road. And Sharon was there to help me help me apply for it because I had to apply for it through the embassy, through the Australian embassy or through, yeah, I think it was through the Australian embassy uh, in, uh, in, in, in Canada. So I had to apply for it there, and then uh, and then I had to wait for it to come back, and and that was great to have a base that I was that I was able to do that um, in kind of and felt really safe there. Uh, it was really uh, it was really really nice of Sharon, and I still still chat to Sharon on Facebook, and you know this is years later. I still chat to her. I still think about her, and I think about what her and Jerry did for me and uh, and and just the love and support that I had from everyone in Canada and I felt really lucky to get what I got out of that season and it comes back to what I was saying before about creating your own luck you see I went over there and I opened myself up to everyone at ASP and I was friendly to everyone and kind to everyone and did favors for everyone and people really appreciate that and some people some people depending on how how kind they are and I definitely found the people at Aspel kind they will will tend to gravitate towards those sort of people and that made me feel really good and it was just a really really a really good end to my season my first ever snow season in Canada all right, back to the book. I had one week before I fly out to Turkey. So this was my final hurrah in Canada. I planned to soak up every moment I could on this trip, and I was hoping that I wouldn't make that I wouldn't make my friends regret inviting me. Being a small group of 4, I didn't want I didn't want to hide my hide in my shell. My confidence in myself had been going up and down like a yo-yo all season. So I was nervous about about where this trip might take me. Luckily, the others enjoyed my company, which meant I didn't fall back into my old antics, and I actually showed confidence in myself. The trip through the Rockies, driving through Jasper National Park into Banff National Park, was just out of this world. Looking back on it now, I think this was the most amazing scenery I saw on my entire trip. Travelling along Icefields Parkway through the Canadian Rocky Mountain Park's World Heritage Site was 232 kilometres of total bliss. Driving straight through the heart of the National Park just after the winter season had, since its season had finished, we were surrounded by snow-covered peaks as far as the eye could see. Okay, just going out of the book again quickly. And so the, the, uh, when, when the snow season finishes, it's spring. It's springtime. And spring is known for its, 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 its awesome weather. And the weather we had on this week traveling was just insane. 
the amount of photo opportunities that we had traveling through there was um, there was there was quite a few of them. I'll actually put up there was one tri- uh, one one photo that we took when we're all sitting on top of the van that I'll be sure to put up in the show notes if you want to go and check it out. Okay, back to the book. After a few days of the most incredible drive east from Sun Peaks, we arrived in Banff, a town in Alberta that offers as many outdoor activities in the summer as it does in the winter. We we stayed right on the main strip, Banff Avenue. The others went snowboarding, but I decided to spend my days wandering around taking photos, which I did for hours on end, right into the night. Okay, we are on page 20. Three days in Banff and we V-lined it straight to Whistler, British Columbia. Whistler was a mountain that was close to Vancouver and even closer to Squamish, where I had started my trip. We were, we were finishing our trip at Whistler right in the middle of the annual World Ski and Snowboard Festival. This was the perfect end to my first winter in Canada, and I was truly hoping that there, there would be many more winters there to come. One afternoon, we were having a drink at the Longhorn Saloon outside in the sun when an all-time favourite singer from back home, Kim Churchill, started playing on the stage in the courtyard. Total bliss once again. I couldn't believe how much my morale had lifted in just one week thanks to this road trip. We left the mountain the following morning bound for Vancouver for our final night together. I had decided to go back to Canada for another season after travelling around Europe. So this meant I had to leave my snowboard bag somewhere. Joel said, no worries, when I asked him if I could leave it with him. So we dropped it off in Squamish on our way through. Once we reached Vancouver, thought hit me like a train. I had grown comfortable in this zone of friends and familiar surroundings over the last five months. And I realised it was all about to change. Okay, that is the end of the chapter. Now I'm just going to quickly read out the first paragraph of the next chapter before I hit the road. Uh, Alright. In the early hours of in the early hours of morning on 25th of April 1915, not even a year after the beginning of World War One, over 4,000 troops from from the Australia, Australian and New Zealand Army Corps. Uh, most army volunteers, mostly army volunteers, had their boats on the shore of Gallipoli, Turkey. This was 1.6 kilometres north of their intended location. Instead of facing a wide, a wide open beachfront, they were faced with steep cliffs full of Turkish forces ready to hold them at bay. It was it was a failed mission. With no turning back, the Battle of Gallipoli lasted for the next eight months and cost the lives of over 8,700 men in battle. Although the Allied forces lost the battle, this was a defining moment in Australian history. Okay, and there you go. So next week we will be tackling Anzac Day in Gallipoli. 
So be sure to come and check it out. All right, so before I head off, anybody else got to anything, anything to say to me? No? Nothing? Sorry, what was that? I can't hear. No, sorry, I'm not going to hear you because I'm on the other side of the speaker that you are listening to. If you do have something to say to me, though, you could uh, hit me up on Facebook. Just search for The Injured Brain or hit me up on Instagram. Same thing, The Injured Brain, or you can email me. My personal email address is scott at scottbharris.com.au. And if you've uh, if you've got any stories that you'd love to share with me, please uh, please email them to me and 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 let me know how you went travelling around the world and uh, some of the things that you experienced uh, in Canada. If you went to Canada, if you went to Sun Peaks, uh, if you went to Sun Peaks and was it uh, and and did do volunteering with ASP, I want to know about it. Let me know. Okay, until next week. Um, there's not much more I can tell you. Uh, you do you and I'll do me. Um, be kind to everyone. Be kind to, if you've got a little brother, I was always a little brother. Uh, if you've got, got a little brother, be kind to him because you never know when he is going to come in handy. <laughs> All right, I'm going to stop talking now. All right, that's it. I'm out. See ya. Thanks for tuning in to the Crashing Into Potential podcast. I really appreciate your support. You guys are the reason that I do this. So if you haven't already, hit me up at The Injured Brain, wherever you get your social media fix. And please don't forget to rate, review, and share this podcast to help me spread my message far and wide. See you in the next episode.